Hey, First Baptist Church, it's Pastor Chris. I'm so sorry I'm not able to worship with you today. You know, I always look forward to coming together on Sunday mornings to worship with you. It's such a joy to come together and worship as the body of Christ. But today I trust you're in good hands. Dr. Owen Bozeman, who is a great friend of mine, is gonna share a message from the Word of God. He and I served together at Central Baptist Church in Warner Robins for eight years. He and his wife, Debbie, are great friends of the Winford family. I love Owen. He is a mentor and a great expositor of the Word of God. And so church, although I'm not with you there this morning in person, I do want to tell you this. If you have your Bible, and I'm sure that you do, would you please welcome Dr. Owen Bozeman as he comes and shares from God's Word this morning. Well, amen. It's good to be with you today, Debbie and I, and we are just delighted and filled with joy to be at First Baptist Church here in Brunswick. This is a happening church, I'm telling you. We have been a lot of places over the last few years as I've been working with different churches, and this is a church that is alive with the Spirit of Christ. What a great worship service this has been so far. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And thank you. Thank you so much for allowing Debbie and I to be with you. And I, I'm only sorry that uh, Pastor Chris is not here. We have been through town a number of times and enjoyed watching what God has been doing here at First Brunswick. And we've uh, seen your remodels and, and how God has grown your church. But we've not been able to worship with you because we're always on the way somewhere else. And so uh, thank you, Pastor Chris, for allowing me to come and, and speak today. And we wish him the very best. Amen. Uh, as he and so many others have been fighting through uh, this COVID pandemic. Uh, Dr. Chris Winford and I met for the first time at Oxford University in 2002. And my wife and I were there studying in the same group that he was with from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We were studying Baptist history and going around uh, the British Islands uh, looking at uh, Baptist history and, and where we came from. And so that was uh, our beginning, but he was just a student there and, and I was a pastor and my, my wife was with me and we were just with that group. But the Lord worked it out uh, a few years later in 2006 for uh, Brother Chris to come onto our staff as our teaching pastor. He worked with our young marrieds, but he was loved by every generation in our congregation. And Angela came with him in 2006, and she was already getting ready to bring Abigail into the world, and she was born toward the end of that first year. And then Avery came along, and they invested in the life of our congregation, as you know what they do here as well. And we miss them greatly when they left. He is still missed greatly, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some members of Central Baptist Church here today because they're always coming through Brunswick to, to see Brother Chris. But um, we are thankful again to be here today, and I know you know how blessed you are to have Chris and Angela and their girls here at First Baptist Church. Chris Winford is one of the finest pastors, not only in the Georgia Baptist Convention, but in the Southern Baptist Convention, he could fill the pulpit and the pastorate of any church in America. But God has him here. And he is loyal to Jesus Christ. He is loyal to his family. He is loyal to this church and this community. And you are blessed indeed to have him. And we are just honored and humbled to be here today. Take your Bible now and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. 
Ephesians chapter 5. I know uh, Pastor Chris has been in a series called Just Be. And he has talked to you about how to be prepared in this new year and how to be prayerful and and how to be passionate. Interestingly, uh, Chris planned to preach on be present today. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, he is not, but we pray that he'll be back next week and I'm sure that he will. But in talking with where you've been the first of the year, um, and I talked with Chris about this, I've decided to bring you a message today entitled, Christ, Bride, and Mine. Christ, Bride, and Mine. And if I had a subtitle, it would be about how to have a healthy marriage and how to have a healthy church. And to have both of these, you've got to be prepared, you've got to be prayerful, and you've got to be passionate, amen? Amen. And so uh, this is uh, what Paul, I think, wants to address in our text today, which um, if, if you look at the, at the uh, New Testament letters, this is uh, called a section of household rules. Paul does this in several of his uh, New Testament letters. But uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 21, where Paul writes these words, Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. So if you've got something different, it might be a little bit different. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. But I am speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife and even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Well, uh, there's a lot of information in that particular text. I'm sure it raises a lot of questions in your mind just exactly about what Paul means. And we're going to look at some of this today. But uh, I pray that God will bless us as we study his word this morning. Would you join me for a moment of prayer? God, we just thank you so much for First Baptist Church Brunswick. We thank you for the privilege and honor to worship together today and, and with those who may be joining us live online and those who may be watching this message later on. And we thank you so much for Pastor Chris and Angela and Abigail and Avery. We miss them today, and we look forward to their being restored, present here among us as soon as possible. We pray your continued healing upon Chris and upon all of those, Lord, who are uh, getting 
um, the COVID virus despite all precautions and vaccinations. And Father, we know this is just a hard time for many, so we ask your grace and your mercy and your healing and blessing upon all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There is a lot going on in our text that we're not going to have time to address today. But Paul, he gives us in this text a beautiful wedding portrait. You know, one of the things we do when we get married is, is we get uh, wedding pictures and sometimes we have portraits made of the photographs and even, even paintings along the way. And what Paul gives us in this text we just read was a, is a marvelous portrait of a marriage. You know, when I think about that, I think about my dining room at home. In our dining room, we have a portrait or pictures of two different weddings. On one side of the china cabinet, uh, there is a, a large portrait of a man and a woman who were married in Birmingham, Alabama, 70 years ago next week. My mother-in-law and father-in-law. And they're coming down the aisle of the church that they were in there in Birmingham, and, and uh, they, they're holding hands, and they've got the most tremendous smile on their face. They're both at home with the Lord now in heaven, but... When I look at that picture, I'm reminded of the joy of their marriage and the investment that they made in us. Now, on the other side of the dining room uh, cabinet, there is a picture in the same frame, same oval frame, uh, the same black and white photo, but it's of another wedding. Our wedding, Debbie and I, which took place 42 years ago this week. <laughs> so, so 42 years ago. And guess what? We're coming down the aisle of the same church in Birmingham, Alabama, and she is actually wearing the same dress that her mother wore, and we've got that same giddy smile on our faces, and it's been a, a wonderful journey. And so what we have here in our text today is really two pictures, two pictures uh, of two different weddings, two different marriages, one between a husband and wife, and the other between a bride called the church, and a groom called our Christ. And I think as we look at this text, we're going to find three keys to a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship. The first key is this, mutual submission. What in the world is that? Mutual submission. Now our eyes, when we read this text, especially if you're a woman, you might want to jump to verse 22 and when you read those words that the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, that's sort of a, a magnet in that text. But you've got to start this text in this passage with verse 21, where it says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Another word that you may have in your text is submit, be subject to one another. That means that the foundation of a good marriage is both the husband and the wife being subject to one another or submitting to one another. And this is also true in the church. Paul says in verse 24, as the church is subject to Christ or submitting to Christ. And so what we have here is a picture of mutual submission. Submitting to one another, it says, in the fear of the Lord Jesus Christ or in the reverence of Jesus Christ. And, and this is important in a healthy relationship between a husband and wife in the family and also uh, in the family of God called the church. But what does that look like? 
When I came to the church uh, that I pastored for 21 years in one Robin Central Baptist Church, we had and we still have at that church an international ministry. You know, a lot of people move to Warner Robins from all over the world, and they come to Robins Air Force Base. They might marry and bring a family with them from another country, and they can't speak English, and they're not citizens of our great country. And so our church uh, had very successful classes, four levels of teaching in the English language, and also you could work on your naturalization exam. And when I first came to Central, I'd not really been exposed to so many people from so many cultures. And I met a lot of people from Asia, you know, like from Korea and Japan and the Philippines, and they have an interesting way of greeting. Do you know what that is? When you walk up to somebody from Asia and they're very serious, what do they normally do? They bow, they bow. And this woman named Chung Morton, who's still in the church there today, was one of the first that I met, and she bowed to me. And I bowed back. And she bowed to me. And I bowed back. And she bowed to me, and I bowed back. How do you get out of that once you start it? I, I didn't know. Here's my point. In a healthy relationship, in marriage, and in the life of the church, one of the things we need to do is learn to out-bow one another. We're to voluntarily subject or submit ourselves to one another, to serve one another in reverence for Christ and in respect for one another. You say, that's great, Pastor, but uh, what about that word head? <laughs> I want to know more about that. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Well, people in the 21st century really don't like that. They don't like that language. I had one lady tell me, well, my husband may be the head, but I'm the neck, and I can turn the head any which way I want to. <laughs> that is not in the Bible. <laughs> but I did a study on this word head. It's the Greek word kephale, and it can mean a lot of things. It can mean a, a boss or one that uh, is in charge. But there's another definition for that word that was very common in the Greek culture, and it means a resource. Like the headwaters of a river. A, a resource. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 1, earlier in Ephesians 1, uh, Paul says in verses 22 and 23 about Christ, and gave him Christ as the head over all things to the church. Same word, kephele. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so a head is someone in this case, that is a resource, and it is filling the one who is its focus. And what bride would not want to have a husband who wanted to be a resource and fill her all in all so that she could be everything that she is supposed to be? And the church has a head like that. It is Jesus Christ, but the key to unlocking those resources is that mutual submission, submitting to one another out of reverence for one another and Christ. Now, please understand this, please, that the New Testament never teaches forced submission, but gives us the model of voluntary submission, whether to Christ or in marriage or in the life of the church. Uh, look at this text in a modern version. I'm so thankful for versions like the message which is a reading Bible, so to say. And it says in Ephesians 5, 21 through 24, out of respect for Christ, 
be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to the church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. And so just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives likewise should submit to their husbands. So headship really is a practical tool uh, in marriage and in the church. You know, everything worth doing, somebody's got to have some measure of responsibility. Somebody's got to be in charge. Somebody's got to be ahead. The, the great uh, preacher, uh, Adrian Rogers, had a saying. He said, anything with no head is dead and with two heads is a freak. <laughs> now stop and think about that picture for just a moment. And it's pretty true in life. You know, in marriage, husbands and wives make most decisions together, don't we? But occasionally, there might come a time where we can't agree and a decision needs to be made. And the scripture says that husbands should step up and make that decision. Now, I have a, a hint for you, husbands. Most wives would like for husbands to make a lot more decisions than they actually do. And uh, a few elbows probably got poked about that time. Because a lot of times, you know, men, that we don't like to get involved in the decision unless we think it's a big decision and we leave everything up to our wives. And so I think a lot of women would like a lot of help with decision-making along the way. And through many years of pre- and post-marital counseling, I could give many examples of that, but I've got to move on and say this. The same rule applies in the church. We make most of our decisions together uh, as the body of Christ. In Baptist churches, it's what's called congregational decision-making. And we make most of those together, but practically, everybody in the congregation can't make every decision. And so, we delegate leadership and responsibility and decision-making to people in the life of the church so that a decision can be made. And many times, a pastor has this responsibility on behalf of the church to make the best decision that he can if no decision has been made so that a church can move forward. Uh, Brother Chris uh, served on my staff for eight years, and my leadership style is I'm, I'm a listener. And in staff meetings, I wanted to hear what everybody had to say every week, whether it was our larger staff or our ministerial team, and, and I would listen and I would respond. But if we ever came to a point where we couldn't make the decision together, everybody in that room knew that that I was going to make it. And that's not anything I look forward to doing, but somebody's got to make a decision and we move on. But make no mistake, for any pastor or any other person in leadership authority to lead you, they must be led by the head. Amen? They must be led themselves by Jesus Christ. And that brings us all back to mutual submission. So that's number one, mutual submission. The second key that I see in this text is sacrificial love. In verse 25, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? Verse 25 says, He gave himself up for her. And whether in a relationship between a husband and wife or in the life of the church itself, 
what we need to do is be willing to give love sacrificially. And that means that we need to give up and sacrifice ourselves in order to demonstrate our love for one another in the family and in the family of God. Would you allow me for a moment to talk about my bride, Debbie? Debbie and I met in college. As a matter of fact, I met her on my very first prospective visit to Samford University, which is a Baptist college in Birmingham, Alabama. I was with a group of guys thinking about going to that school, and, and we went to an IHOP, and, and there was a group of girls that were studying uh, in the IHOP. And uh, I met her just casually at that moment. Uh, years, uh, when I came to Samford University, uh, it turned out that we went on a double date. She was with another guy, and I was with another girl. We went to a football game. And after the game was over, we went to a, a Wendy's restaurant. Anybody ever been to Wendy's? And they claim their fries are crispy now. I haven't done that yet, but maybe they are. But anyway, we went, and she ordered a single, a fry, a drink, a chili, and a Frosty. And I thought to myself, glad I'm not dating her. I couldn't afford her. <laughs> well, guess what? A couple of years later, we started dating, and we dated for three years, and we got married our last semester in college. May I tell you that God may have put me in headship uh, in our marriage, and he did, but my wife has a better head than I do. She graduated number one in the School of Pharmacy and number one in the Department of Chemistry at the same time, but she married me, <laughs> a preacher. Uh, she could have been anything. She could have done anything in the world, but she married me, and along the way, she practiced pharmacy for 40 years she was the mother of our two children, served as a pastor's wife, and is a fantastic Bible study teacher. At one point, she owned her own business providing pharmaceutical services to Robbins Air Force Base. But now, she is defined by a four-letter word, Nana, <laughs> to our four granddaughters. But primarily, she has been there for me. And she has said this to me many times. She said, oh, and God has called you to preach and be a pastor. But God has called me to love you. God called you to be there for many people. But God has called me to be there for you. And that's God's grace. I would not have become the person that I am. And I still cannot be what, what God has called me to be without her. She has made me a better person. Uh, she, her love has been transformational in my life. And along the way, I've made a few sacrifices for her, especially in recent years and health challenges. But that's what we do in marriage, amen? We sacrifice in love for each other, and that's what we're to do in the church. We're to love sacrificially. But how? Here's something very important. If you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to this. God doesn't call us to love the church. The church is Christ's bride, not ours. We are the bride. Christ is called to love the bride called the church. We are called to love who? Christ. Sometimes we fall into a trap of just loving the church as a piece of property or as a place or loving 
the people in the church, people that like me or are like me, our calling, though, is to love Christ, is to love Christ with all of our heart and soul and mind. And guess what happens? When we love Christ, then the head, the head of the church, begins to fill us all in all with his love, and that love begins to transform us. We sung about that today in Build My Life, if you think about those words. The love transforms us into the husband or wife that we should be, uh, into the church that God means for us to be, and this causes us to love one another in life and in the life of the church sacrificially, but it all goes back to loving Christ. Pastor Chris said something, I think, uh, either last week or a week before I, I look back at some of his messages, and he had this wonderful saying. He said, what is impossible becomes what? Him possible when we look to Christ and when his love fills us up. And this is love transforming. But what does that look like? You know, a friend of mine and his wife were international missionary uh, journeymen. Uh, to Ecuador when they were younger, although they've spent most of their career in Guatemala. And he would tell me these crazy stories that he would pick up out of the Hispanic culture and Latin American culture. And uh, he told me a story one time about a girl named Manana. She wasn't very pretty. And all of her sisters had been married off for her. And they had a peculiar thing in that culture. When a woman was married, the prospective husband would have to pay the father a dowry for the right to marry her, but no one would marry Manana. Then one day, a man came to town and asked for her hand in marriage, and he paid the highest price that anyone had ever heard of for a bride, and they left town. A year passed, that man came back to town with a woman, and everybody whispered, where is Manana? And she said, it is I. Do you not recognize me? And she was the most beautiful woman that anyone had ever seen. And so the moral of the story is this. What's the difference? And the answer is the price paid. Jesus Christ paid the highest price. He gave his life for his bride called the church. Why? Verses 26 and 27 say that he might sanctify her that he might present her to himself, the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And Paul says in verse 28, that's the way husbands are to love their wives. And may I say that that is the way wives are to love their husbands, and parents are to love their children. And children are to love their parents and grandparents. And, and it's the way that pastors are to love their church members. And, and church members are to love their pastors. And that's the way that saved people ought to love lost people. If Christ has given sacrificial love to his bride called the church, as the bride we are called to sacrificially love like Christ and by the way, what's one important way that we do that in the church? Look at verse 26 again, will you? And Paul says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And one of, if not one of the most important ways that we 
show our love is with the washing of the Word of God. And what is the washing of the Word of God? It's the, the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel. Christ was the living Word, and so we preach Christ. The Scripture is the written Word, and we teach Scripture. And when we do that, we join together with Christ washing people with the Word. We were singing a moment ago about washing ourselves. What, what will wash away my sins? Nothing but what? The blood. And where do we learn about that story? We learn about it in Christ and the Scripture. And as the bride of Christ, we go out into the world each week. As families, we go out into the world each week. As employees, we go out into the world each week. As ministers, we go out into the world each week. And it's a difficult world, amen? It's a sinful world. It's an angry world. It is a dirty world. It is a divided world. And that's why we're doing what we're doing right now. That's why we come together as a church for corporate worship or in small groups like Sunday school because we need the washing of the Word. We need to have our minds and our hearts and our lives cleansed by the preaching and teaching of God's Word that we can be a bride without spot or stain or wrinkle or blemish but holy and blameless. Amen? So two keys to a healthy marriage in church are mutual submission and sacrificial love. But here's the last one out of the text. We're members of his body. We're members of his body. Verse 30 says we are members of his body. And people wonder, where did church membership come from? It comes from the word of God. Like scriptures like this one. His body is what? A metaphor for the church what we call the church. And in Christ, we are members of his body called the church. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are born into a family called the body of Christ, the church. And when we're baptized, we are baptized into a local body of Christ, a local church, and we become members of his body. But how does that happen? Paul switches metaphors again. Have you noticed that? He switches back and forth. And in verse 31, he quotes an Old Testament text from Genesis 2 that Jesus repeats in Matthew 19. And so in Genesis, Jesus says, and Paul says, and the Old Testament says all the same thing three times for this reason. A man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become what? One flesh. And so here is a picture of a bride and groom sharing their vows together uh, at the altar before God, and God does something that we cannot see in that moment. God joins the two and makes them one. How does he do that? Paul says in verse 32, this is a mystery. This mystery is great. In other words, God does something supernatural. But what I think it means is that from the time you get married, listen, Everything you do, everything you say, everything you think results in either the building up or the tearing down of your spouse and or your family. You may think you have a private life. You may think that you have private thoughts and deeds. 
and that no one knows about those and you're not hurting anyone, but what you need to understand is this, that the two have become one. And everything you do results in either the building up of your family and your spouse or the tearing down of your family and your spouse. And that's why Paul says this in verse 29, and it needs a lot of discussion. Maybe you'll go back and discuss it in a small group. He says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Nobody ever hated his own flesh. And if we realized that it's just not about me, but it's about my spouse, it's about my family, it's about my church family, then we wouldn't do and say and think a lot of the things we do. If you've ever known someone uh, who has been through a divorce, and maybe you have, you know how painful that is, and you know why it is? Because when God joins us together, he means for it to be permanent. And to separate us, literally, is to tear us apart. But why does Paul quote this verse? In verse 32, he says, it has something to do with the church. He says, I am speaking with reference to Christ in the church. And what does he mean for us to understand? I think it's this, that when we become believers, we are joined together with the church, Christ's body and bride, just as a husband and wife are joined together in marriage, and the two become one. And this is why when something happens to one of us in the church, it happens to all of us. There's an old saying uh, that we multiply the joy and we divide the pain. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. And if you can't do that in a church, uh, then something is, is terribly wrong. If you've ever been in a church where things are not going right, and maybe they're going all wrong. That's why it hurts so bad, because we're all part of the body his bride called the church. And as a believer, let me just appeal to you today uh, that if you're watching or, or you're in this crowd today, that God wants you to be involved in a church home. And I think there are only about four times in the New Testament that the church is spoken of in a, in a universal sense. Every other time, it's a local church like Antioch or Jerusalem or Colossae or Philippi or Ephesus, the letter that we're reading from today. And every one of those is a, a local church. And so today, if you are a believer, you are a part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, but you belong in, in a local church. And you can become a part of this local church by profession of faith, baptism, or letter, or statement. And you can join here with other believers in mutual submission, sacrificial love as members of the body of Christ. And you can go to starting point next week and you can get involved in that. Let me close this morning by saying that I have spent my life in the service of the church. I, I have been in church since nine months before I was born. You know what I mean by that. And I was uh, born again as a young man in church, and along the years God called me to ministry, and I pastored four churches, the last one for 21 years. I have served as an interim or transitional pastor of three churches since then, and several of them have been around over 175 years, and many of you may not know 
your own history that this church this year will be 167 years old. Is that not right? This church has been here for a long time. But I told a story earlier about a young girl by the name of Manana. Does anybody know what that word means in Spanish? What? It means what? Tomorrow. This church has an amazing past. It has a vital present. But tomorrow, there's no limit to what God can do if you will mutually submit to one another in Christ in sacrificial love as members together, no matter where you are or have been in your marriage in the past, some of your best and brightest days can be in front of you if you will just come back to what we talked about today, being washed in the Word of God today. You have heard what can be done, that you can present yourself to Christ, you can present yourself to one another in marriage and family, and God can work in that to bring forth something that is the very best that it's ever been in all of its glory. I pray to this end that that will take place in your life. Thank you so much for listening today. Let's pray together with heads bowed and eyes closed. So there's a lot of information in this text and maybe some questions, and I'm sure your pastor or others might have some time to talk with you about some of the issues that this text raises, especially in the 21st century. But it's God's Word, and it's good for us. And I hope that you feel better because we bathed in it this morning. And I know that uh, this is a very healthy church, but then there's tomorrow. Boy, I'm excited to see all these young people sitting down front here today. And uh, they are the church of tomorrow. And how blessed you are to have them seated in this sanctuary and in the small groups. I'm, I'm so thankful for our Bible study classes. And my wife sat in with a class today and, and, and she said, t sitting next to me, it was so wonderful because we've been traveling a lot. And she said, there's been a famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord in many places that we've been. But in that class today, the word of the Lord was sought and taught. And that's good. You have that going for you already. But there are greater things. And Pastor Chris has been talking about that with you, to get prepared, to be prayerful, and to be passionate. These are days when every moment counts, every encounter. Let the Lord lead you. Commit yourself to be open and vulnerable to those that are around you here in Brunswick and in this county and beyond. A lot of people come in and out of this area as tourists, and each moment is an opportunity if you just let God open your heart to it. And we know that, that any time that, that God wants to do a great work like he's doing here, there's always going to be the naysayer, there's always going to be the devil, crouching at the door wanting to get his foot in and you know it's up to everybody to make sure that that doesn't happen because this church God is doing great things under a great shepherd who serves under the chief shepherd Jesus Christ let's recommit ourselves as families and as a church family to being the bride that Christ envisioned in this text Father, we thank you so much for this church. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the gathering we've had together. And now, Lord, we ask that you would help us to make life-changing commitments to Christ, to this church, 
for baptism, for church membership today or next week. And Lord, that we would truly commit to one another, that we would find ourselves having a true church family. But that takes all of us. Help us to evaluate what we're doing and be moved accordingly by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.